What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I am your host of Locked On Bills. Excited to be back with you here on this Wednesday to get into some big news that has come through regarding the Buffalo Bills. We have a couple of new coaches that have been added to the staff, one that has officially been added and one that has been reported by some very reliable sources. And so we're going to break down both of those uh, new hires. And I also have an interview for you, a guest, John Ledger. He's from the Draft Network, one of my coworkers. He also is the host of the Locked On NFL Draft podcast and has experience covering the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we're going to get into the ideas that have been floated out there that the Bills should go after uh, Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver Antonio Brown and former Steelers running back Le'Veon Bell. So that is going to be a great interview for you guys to listen to here in just a few minutes that, that will give you some good insight on those possibilities as well as what I think about the Bills going down those avenues. Uh, like I mentioned, there's a couple of hires, uh, coaching hires, that we need to get into. The Bills have uh, they have hired a new offensive line coach going with Bobby Johnson. He's 46 years old. He got his career started, actually, by being the assistant offensive line coach for the Buffalo Bills in 2010 under Chan Gailey. And so I think that right off the bat is kind of an exciting thing. Uh, the Bills had a good offensive line that year, but also that his opportunity ha- is coming somewhere that he's familiar. And he gets a chance to be you know, the guy, the, the offensive line coach. He gets to strip that assistant label in a place that he has some familiarity. So he doesn't have a lot to, you know, there's nuances of moving to a new place. He's, he's been down those roads. He's familiar with the facilities and, uh, and can just acclimate and get, get ready to develop some of the Bills' young offensive linemen that need, that need some tutelage. They need some guidance because, as we know, last year this group really failed to take a step forward. We mentioned Deion Dawkins. We mentioned John Miller. Not sure if Miller will be back, brought back or not, but Wyatt Teller. There's some young offensive linemen here, Ike Boker, that need uh, a steady hand here and a guy that can really get the most out of those players, which really failed to happen last year under Juan Castillo. Uh, so let's get into Johnson just a little bit more. Uh, he's got nine years of NFL coaching experience, like I mentioned, started with the Bills in 2010. And most recently, he was the assistant offensive line coach with the Colts last season. And as we know, the Colts offensive line was one of the best stories in the entire NFL. Uh, They only allowed 18 sacks on the season, which was the fewest in the league. And and the way that they were able to develop that young talent, some rookies and Quentin Nelson and Braden Smith, their first and second round pick. They had a couple of second round picks, so Braden Smith was one of those second round picks. They, They were able to get immediate production from those two guys. And they really came on and I thought were a big reason why the Colts had such a successful season. Particularly, I think everybody knew Nelson was going to be a stud. And he came in and was a stud, and that was no question from day one. But I think around week five, Braden Smith became the right tackle for the Colts, and he did well. And he's a guy that I thought had some rawness to him coming out of Auburn. And Auburn's a school that typically, you know, a lot of their offensive linemen fail to really come in and, and secure jobs in the NFL. A lot of guys that are drafted high that don't necessarily ever pan out. But Braden Smith has kind of changed that narrative and, and really had a good season for the Colts. And it looks like he's going to be a fixture there. I thought he got a lot out of Ryan Kelly, former first-round pick at center. Mark Lewinsky had his best season of his career for, for the Colts last year. And so I think when you 
talk about where the Colts, what the Colts were able to do with their young offensive linemen compared to what the Bills were, uh, you know, it's really exciting. And I, you know, it's obviously he was the assistant offensive line coach, so he, there was another hand in the pot there with with this development. But I think that resume of what was able to be done last year in Indianapolis is something that's very exciting. And he's he's a guy that he doesn't have experience being the the lead guy as an, as an offensive line coach, but I think he's been exposed to a lot. He comes with great reviews from Eric Wood. Uh, he actually tweeted out right after the, the announcement became official, Eric Wood. He said the Bills got a great coach and a great man in Bobby Johnson. He will fit in on this staff extremely well, and the guys will learn a lot from him. Well, that's a great endorsement. And then Kyle Rudolph, the tight end uh, for, for the Minnesota Vikings, also tweeted out some very positive remarks. So you love to see that. You love to see guys that uh, can speak highly of a guy uh, that's stepping into to fill a very important role for this team in terms of developing young offensive linemen and making sure that the the starting five in front of Josh Allen uh, can can be maximized and their potential be really uh, you know come come together because that's what this offense is going to need. So I think this is a really positive hire for the Bills. Obviously, we need to see it needs to play out, but there's plenty of reason to believe that this is going to be a good hire for Buffalo. Uh, the other coach that Buffalo hired unofficially, this is per Jordan Rodrigue of the Charlotte Observer. Uh, I know Jordan. I, I feel good about this report as well as uh, other uh, Bills beat writers have, have you know confirmed, confirmed this with her, and they, they all feel good about it. We just need the team to make it official. But uh, the Bills have hired Heath Farewell to be their special teams coach. We talked a lot about how obvious it was for Buffalo to move on from Danny Crossman and bring in a new special teams coach, and uh, they did that. And so um, <clears throat> Farewell, he was – Actually, most recently, an assistant special teams coach for the Carolina Panthers last year, and then he had two years of experience with the Seattle Seahawks as an assistant offensive line coach. And no, he didn't coach under you know Sean McDermott from his days at Carolina because he had been to Buffalo since then. But you know he does have that connection with Ron Rivera, and so I know that uh, you know Sean McDermott certainly went out to Ron Rivera and, and got got the review there, got the reference check there, and, and made sure that this was going to be the right fit. Uh, and so I, I like that from, from you know, just making sure that they, they fit. We talked about that with, with uh, Terry Robisky in, in particular with the Bills, uh, the, the wide receiver coach that was, let, that was let go. And I just never thought that he was a good personality fit for the Bills and Sean McDermott. And, and so I, I feel like this is, you know, this hire as well as the, uh, the hire of Johnson are both moves that you feel good about the way that they fit in. In with the rest of the staff that's in place that can really connect Sean McDermott's message to this locker room. But, uh, you know, three years of experience as an NFL assistant special teams coach, he actually had a, a, uh, a 10 – how many years did he play in the NFL? Let me see here. He played – Six seasons for the Minnesota Vikings as a special teams player. He actually made the Pro Bowl in 20, uh, 2009. And then he played four more seasons with Seattle as a special teams player. So this is a, a guy who has 10 years of niche experience in the NFL specifically as a special teams player. So you love to see that a guy that's pretty fresh out of the league that has three years of experience learning the job. And so I think that he'll be able to connect with with the Bills uh, players that they need and from, a, from not only the coach level but a guy that's been asked to do those things that made a career for himself for 10 seasons making a Pro Bowl 
uh, as a special teams player. So I think there's a lot of net positives here when you look at both hires and a lot of reason to be very intrigued and encouraged by both moves that Sean McDermott has made for his coaching staff. One thing I do want to address with these moves uh, Thad Brown, he's, uh, he actually put out a tweet that said, you know, years of experience in job or higher level of coaches Sean McDermott fired. Danny Crossman, 14. Terry Rubisky, 30. Juan Castillo, 20. And so that's like 64 years of experience that went out the door when Buffalo moved on from those three coaches. And the years of experience on the job or higher level of Bobby Johnson and Heath Farewell hired today or, or, you know, officially, unofficially, zero. Neither one of them have ever coached in the role that they're going to be asked to, to have for the Bills. But I'm okay with that. You know, I think so often in the NFL, it's just this recycling of coaches, this one, you know, just bouncing around from team to team. And, uh, you know, just they didn't have success somewhere and they come somewhere else. And, you know, you got some fresh faces, some young minds that are coming into this staff. And so the Bills have plenty of, of, of collective experience on their coaching staff. And I like the idea of giving some guys, some younger guys in the industry opportunities to, to you know, to – have these jobs. I don't, I, I, I like that. I don't want retread. Sometimes experience is, is, is uninspiring. And so I think the bills made a couple of, uh, of sound moves here. There's a lot to like about these resumes and, uh, and, and a lot of the, you know, the potential that I think you get with these two young coaches in terms of how they fit is very exciting for me. Be right back after the break here to get into that interview with John Ledger on the possibility of the bills going after Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. All right, folks, I'm joined here by John Ledger. He's one of my co-workers with the Draft Network, and he has experience covering the Pittsburgh Steelers, lives in the greater Pittsburgh area, so he's pretty plugged in with this team. And the reason I want to bring John on today is because there's more and more buzz growing in the Bills' Twitter community, amongst the Bills' beat writers, about the possibility of adding Antonio Brown, who is under contract with the Pittsburgh Steelers, so it would require a trade to acquire his services. But you think about the Bills, you think about a team with a desperate need at wide receiver, and uh, I think naturally there's some thoughts that the Bills could pursue Antonio Brown. So, John, uh, if you could, why don't you tell us a little bit about Brown? I think we all know that he's one of the best receivers in the game, but maybe where he's at at this point in his career, what he looks like moving forward, and all right, is this a player the Bills should be going after? Yeah, I think the biggest thing with Antonio Brown is kind of obviously you're going to get a full skill set that fits into any offense. So you talk about scheme fit with a lot of these players, but that doesn't really matter that much with with Josh or with uh, with Antonio Brown because even with if you think about Josh Allen's strengths and weaknesses, like if you were a quarterback that can't work with Antonio Brown in terms of actual on field chemistry and ability, I'm you're the issue, not Antonio Brown. It's just the way that it is. You know, I mean, he is the ability to win at all three levels of the field. Um, and is produced at a consistent rate for a long time. So as a player, I think you're getting a, the, the complete package with Antonio Brown. There's not really anything he's missing. You have to take into account his age. Uh, that's definitely something uh, to, to think about being 30 and you know what that would mean for him as a wide receiver. You know, This past year, I felt like things off the field with him and in his personal life did filter onto the field at times, but he was still like in 1,300 yarders if he had played yeah. every game. A 1,300-yard receiver, and he had like 16, 15 touchdowns or something like that, you know, this year. So, I mean, it's, you know, this was, in some people's eyes, a down year for him. It wasn't his best year of his career, but it was a better year than just about everybody in the game. So, um, he is, 
he's truly a dominant football player. So there, there's no questions. The difficulty with Antonio Brown is how much does the off-the-field stuff, which I, by that I don't even mean like getting arrested and that kind of suspended, those kind of things, but like the character concerns basically with Antonio Brown. Um, it feels like this year things were darker with him. Like he's always been a little bit eccentric and odd in some ways, you know, in interviews and things like that. But this year it seemed like he was angrier. You know, there was more frustration. Um, I don't know that a lot of it even stemmed with Pittsburgh or if they just kind of received kind of the brunt end of it uh, because I feel like, honestly, a lot of it was stuff that was going on off the field, the furniture throwing episode you know, from from the hotel, you know, that happened uh, in the off season and, you know, there were some, some legal implications with that that ended up, I think, nothing came to fruition. But just in his personal life, I know that it's been written about in some spots too, like a lot of turmoil going on there. And that that part of it is tough to evaluate from the outside. You know, how much does that change with the new location? You know, I, I think about Buffalo and I think about Josh Allen and I can think about frustrations mounting there because as much as Allen flashed as a rookie, there are still consistent issues with accuracy and things like that that – you know, he. This would be a totally different road to hoe for Antonio Brown. I mean, he's been with Ben Roethlisberger for years. The two have unbelievable chemistry on the field. Um, you know, they've been completely dominant statistically, uh, dominant in key moments in big games, um, year after year after year. That's been a, a theme of the Steelers season is the two of them in big games just making magic happen. And uh, so to go from that to a, a really kind of a building situation in Buffalo, how would that work with with who Antonio Brown is as a person? I really don't know. That would be a totally different spot for him in his career than he's ever been in, in Pittsburgh. You know, you mentioned the on-field ability. Nobody's questioning that. And so at this point in his career and his skill set and how he wins, how many good years are left in the tank for Antonio Brown? Is this a few more good seasons or is there a lot of longevity and life left in the legs of Antonio Brown? I think there's a lot left in him physically. You know, he trains so hard and is in such good shape. And that's the thing. Everybody kind of wants to say Antonio Brown, like you want to knock his character and things like that. But the reality is Antonio Brown's been one of the better, harder workers at his position or any position really in the entire football league or NFL during his during his career. So I think that's one of the issues you get to with Antonio Brown maybe is like, okay, when does the actual skill set start to depreciate outside of the training that he puts in and things like that? But I really don't think that's happened at this point. You know, uh, you know, still very explosive player, especially when he's healthy and you know, I mean, he's never been the fastest guy, so I mean, maybe that part of his game, the vertical part of the game, um, does diminish somewhat, uh, I guess. But you're still talking about a guy that can get open. Um, but the thing, other thing is with Buffalo, you're going to see double coverage every game. I mean, he sees it with Pittsburgh, and they have Juju Smith-Schuster on the other side. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, Robert Foster had a good rookie year. I don't know if he's ready for that mantle yet. And so, uh, you know, I think that that's something to consider with anywhere he goes to, really, depending on who the rest of the sporting cast is, is, you're not just asking a guy to be a really good receiver. You're asking him to be a really good receiver despite everything a defense does to take him away. That's what Antonio Brown's been the last couple of years. You know, the best receiver in the NFL despite everything that other teams have done to take him away. So I think that's where the conversation comes in. Okay, can he still do that at a high level? Because that's like, you know, you have to be elite of the elites. And I think there will be situations and times where you can do that. And I think Brian Dable will help scheme him open. Um, similar to the way that Todd Haley did for years and years and years there. But um, I do think that that's something you have to consider with him. But right now, as of this past season, physically and athletically, he looks like the same player. John, you know Antonio Brown. And as a draft guy, I know you know the Bills and the types of players they want to bring in and the types of players that Sean McDermott has has been very intentional about bringing into his locker room. 
I mean, do you see this happening? Buffalo has, you know, obviously 10 draft picks, a one, two, three, two fours, two fives, a six, two sevens. They have $88 million in cap space, the third most in the league. But do you actually see this happening and should it happen? I don't see it happening at all, to be honest. I'd be pretty shocked given, you know, McDermott's kind of his mandate and the high character stuff and not wanting to bring distractions in the locker room. And it just wouldn't vibe with much of what they built. Um, it feels like this is a team that wants to build heavily through the draft based on everything they've done so far. You got to do something with all that cap space for sure. But, you know, Antonio Brown's situation, you're looking, you know, to trade something for it. I, I just, what are they going to trade that gives, you know, that makes sense for Pittsburgh? I can't can't really see many options that that I could see Buffalo you know their best their top players that Pittsburgh would want are Trey White and, and Jermaine Edmonds and they're obviously not trading those right, guys right. Uh, to Pittsburgh so I mean I think that um, I just don't see I don't, yeah I don't see it making sense on paper I don't see it making sense from uh, McDermott's perspective either in the way that he's tried to build that football team I mean I think Antonio Brown can be great anywhere that he goes you know he's that kind of player but for Buffalo, given their direction and the way they're trying to build it, it would really shock me if they were the team to make that move. John, I want to steal one more question from you, and I want to talk about Le'Veon Bell, another player I know you're familiar with, another team here in Buffalo that needs something dynamic in the backfield. Bell is obviously fresh coming off of sitting out the season, and he's been one of the most prolific backs in the NFL, a multifaceted player. Cap space is there for Buffalo. The need is there for Buffalo. Does this make sense to you? I think it could, yeah. I mean, definitely. I think Le'Veon Bell, you know, is is a it's a it's a spot that Buffalo needs to fill that I could see them maybe being a little more welcoming toward. Again, you've still got the issues with some character stuff in the past and off-field concerns that I think are going to be um, something that McDermott's going to have to wrestle with. Nothing more recent with him, you know. Some of the stuff hasn't been as bad as it's been with Antonio Brown, but still a guy that's given to social media outbursts and things of that nature um, that. May not vibe with the culture he's trying to build in Buffalo. So certainly as a player on the field, he helps Buffalo. It didn't really feel like running back was a – I mean, I don't – you know, not trading with Sean McCoy. I don't really know what the plan is there, like what exactly they're trying to accomplish a running back. You know, I'm of the opinion that if you pay a running back the kind of money Le'Veon Bell's looking for, you better have a ton of cap space. The Bills do, but I still wouldn't call it a wise financial decision. Um, especially because Bell's been hurt and suspended twice, suspended twice and hurt several times. So, you know, you're taking a massive risk there. But in terms of a player on the field, Le'Veon Bell would absolutely help Buffalo right away. I just don't know if, again, I see it being the type of move that they'll make given the direction McDermott seems to want to take the franchise. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting because I, I agree with you, John. I don't think the Bills are going to go after either one of these players. I mean, obviously the skill sets are there to help an offense that needs playmakers. And so it's kind of crazy to kind of like just – say no to these players, but I, I just get so nervous about their cost and, and where the Bills are at this point in the rebuild under Sean McDermott. They've been you know, both him and Brandon Bean have talked about calculated measures to this point, and they understand they're a young football team and, and, and wanting to build through the draft and be wise with their money. And, you know, even Brandon Bean said with all this cap space, they're going to be judicious and calculated with what they do. And so, you know, I feel like this is off script in a big way, and I'm not necessarily sure that these are clean enough situations in either case 
case to really invest heavily into either one of these players and really kind of go off that course that they've been on and one that I think has the Buffalo Bills fan base very, very exciting. So uh, I, I really, I'm not really on board with either one of these moves, and I just don't think that they're going to anyways because of Sean McDermott and him being very intentional, intentional about talking about not building a team necessarily in terms of collecting talent, but building a team, guys that fit, guys that buy in, where you're not going to have distractions. And so this would be, I think, counter to everything we've heard Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott say to this point about roster construction and what they've done. And so I think it's important to talk about because it's been buzzy among beat writers. It's been buzzy among fans on Twitter. And I, I thought I, you know, bringing you on, John, to talk about this was something that I really wanted to do and obviously get my own takes out there. So I certainly appreciate your time with that. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the Lockdown Bills podcast. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Leave that five-star review. And let's continue this conversation on social media. You can reach me on Twitter at the Joe Marino, the Bill... Uh, Locked On Bills podcast can be followed at Locked On Bills. And I want to hear what you have to say about all these things we discussed. You know, the two new coaching coaches that were added to the staff today, the the uh, you know the Antonio Brown, the Le'Veon Bell possibilities. Give me your takes on those things because uh, I want to hear from you as well. Uh, we'll be back again for you tomorrow. We're going to leave the show concept fluid like we have all week because with the Shrine game, with the coaching situation, with some of the buzzy stuff, the rumors, I want to make sure that I don't lock myself in. But we are going to work through the entire state of the roster. Roster uh, series at some point. We'll get to every single position group like we have so far for the quarterbacks, running backs, and tight ends. Thanks again so much for listening to Lockdown Bills.